I'm Miss Tyler, and welcome to another episode of Context for Kids, where I teach you guys stuff most adults don't even know. If this is your first time hearing, or if you've missed anything, you can find all the episodes archived at contextforkids.podbean.com, which has them downloadable, or at contextforkids.com, where I have transcripts for readers, or on my Context for Kids YouTube channel. You know, one of the great unanswered questions of the Bible is, what if Adam and Eve had just taken the blame, admitted what they did, and said they were sorry? Of course, we'll never know for sure, but the Bible tells us exactly what to do when we sin. We have to get right with God by going to him and admitting it. And so this is the most important thing I have taught you up to this point. Taking responsibility for what we do, being honest when we're wrong, saying we're sorry, doing whatever it takes to not make that same mistake again. That isn't only important in our relationship with God, but with our parents, our brothers and sisters, our friends, the people we work and go to school with, and one day, when and if you get married. People who can't admit they're wrong are going to be failures at everything that matters most. People won't trust them or respect them, and they will end up with no friends and divorced and fired from jobs. Nobody wants that. But that's the price of not repenting, which we'll talk about later. I don't want the person I just described to be you, and so today we're going to talk about the easiest person to admit we are wrong to, and that's Jesus, our Savior. Why is Jesus the easiest person to admit that to? Well, because he loves us perfectly, and he already knows everything we've done wrong. In fact, he knows the stuff that we've done wrong that we don't even know is wrong yet. What? Am I saying that you're doing stuff wrong in your life right now that you don't even know about? Absolutely. We all do until we learn, and then we understand and have to do it better. But that's something that happens naturally as you grow up, become more mature, and read your Bibles. As for right now, only Jesus knows everything about us, so we can't fool him. Over the last three weeks, we've talked a lot about what Adam and Eve did and what they didn't do. They sinned a really huge sin. Most of our sins are not really as big. Most of us will never talk face-to-face with God and then disobey a direct order. That's fairly unique. Adam did it. <clears throat> so did Moses, and the consequences were severe. Adam was kicked out of the garden, and Moses was told he could never enter the promised land. What did Adam do? Well, he disobeyed a direct order from God not to eat the free fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In a way, he decided that God was lying about the consequences, and he decided to trust the serpent instead. Adam made the serpent his god when he did that. I actually talk about that a lot more in my curriculum book, Context for Kids, Volume 4, Image-Bearing, Idolatry, and the New Creation, so I am not going to talk about that a lot here. Too complicated for a half-hour radio show. Moses was told to speak to a rock in order to bring water out of it, but Moses was so angry at his people that he smacked the rock twice with his staff. That brought shame to God. So, that's what Adam and Eve did, but what didn't they do? They never admitted that they were 150% dead wrong with hot wrong sauce on top. 
They couldn't have been more wrong if they had made plans on how to be as wrong as possible. No, they didn't kill anyone, but they were only given one commandment. Not ten commandments, not 613 commandments, just one. And it wasn't a hard commandment. It was the easiest commandment that anyone had ever been given in the history of the world. No work involved, just say no. But that's how temptation is, right? When we think that something we can't do is something we should be able to do, we just go nuts if we don't have something called self-control and trust. Well, I guess that's some things. Now, what is trust? Trust is when we believe that someone is telling what someone is telling us is true and good. We believe that they know better than we do and that they are what they're telling us will be good for us in the long run, even if we don't like it. Now, I know that people who love you will tell you to be very careful about whom you decide to trust. As we saw with a snake in the garden, just because someone sounds convincing or like they know what they're talking about or want what is best for us doesn't always mean that they aren't really wanting to make trouble for us. Reading our Bibles and talking to God about everything will help us to become wiser about whom we listen to and whom we avoid. What about self-control? Self-control is learning to say no to ourselves. I'm still working on that one. When we want to do something we know is wrong, we have to learn to say no. When we're about to make a one-way decision that can't be undone, we have to learn to say no until we understand the consequences. When we really want something but aren't sure if it's good or not, we wait until we do know for sure. When we want to eat a whole pie with ice cream for breakfast, well, that's always just a mistake, and if we do it, then we deserve the bellyache. But I'm going to tell you right now that everyone you have ever known has made the mistake of doing the wrong thing. We all have to learn to handle it the right way. You're going to do some awful things in your life, but I am a whole lot more concerned about how you handle yourself after you do those things than about what those things are. There isn't just about anything God won't forgive you for. In the Bible, we see him forgiving the worst kinds of sins you can think of as long as the people come to him and take responsibility and repent. So then, what is repentance? Well, repentance is more than just regretting what we've done because we don't like the consequences. Like, Adam and Eve hated being kicked out of the garden. Repentance means that we see what we did wrong we know it was wrong, and we start making changes so we will stop doing it. God knows that we all start out being slaves to the sinful natures of Adam and Eve. Remember how I told you how their sin was like if somebody dumped toxic waste into the water that we all have to drink from and it poisoned us? Well, we can't help being poisoned, but God expects us to come to him because he has the cure. And that cure is Jesus. We'll talk about that more next week. This week, I want to talk about how we come to God with our sins and mistakes. And this is the same no matter what the sin is. This is the same for gang members and drug dealers and murderers and thieves and people who look at terrible things on the internet and bullies and people who disobey their parents and who lie and who cheat on tests. 
everyone and every sin. Everyone can come to God and be forgiven and changed, but how? I want to tell you the story of King David, the man God chose to be king of Israel. The Bible calls him a man after God's own heart. Now, what does that mean? Does it mean that his heart was always right and he was perfect and never did anything rotten? Not at all. As a matter of fact, there came a time when David grew very powerful and wanted something that wasn't his. He hurt somebody to get it. And then when he was in danger of getting caught, he murdered someone else. That's right. The man who wrote all those wonderful songs of praise to God, for a while he lived a very wicked life. In a very real way, he walked away from God and focused on being very selfish. He forgot who he was and who God is. He was only thinking of himself and the things he thought would make him happy. Remember how I told you that you don't always know when things, when you're doing wrong? Well, the story of David tells us that even God's choice for king, the man who is usually so faithful to God, well, he could sink into horrible sins and do evil things to other people. A lot of times, you know, we want something so bad that we start convincing ourselves that it's really okay. That we deserve it. That God won't mind. I'm betting the grown-ups in your life can tell you about times when they did that. I sure can. But David was so sure of himself that he acted like he even forgot what he'd done. Even though everyone around him knew. But he was the king, and now they knew that he could murder and worse, to get whatever it was he wanted. How can you trust someone like that? You can't. God had to do something to change all that. And we might ask, how on earth did David, who said he loved God so much, get that far out of control? Well, glad you asked. You see, when we sin and try and hide it from God or pretend like what we did wasn't so bad, it puts a wedge between ourselves and God. Usually when we do wrong or want to do wrong, we know that it's bad right away, but then we kind of push those thoughts aside and pretend like we didn't really hear them. And everyone has done this before. Everyone except Jesus. Pretending like we didn't hear those thoughts is the first step toward grieving the Holy Spirit. Or pushing the Spirit of God so far out of our lives that we refuse to listen and the Spirit stops talking to us until we are willing to listen. Once we aren't listening anymore and the Spirit stops talking to us, all of a sudden things that used to seem wrong to us seem less and less wrong. And we do something a little worse and a little worse and all of a sudden we're doing terrible things that seem okay to us now. David never fully recovered from the bad that he did, because although he admitted that he had done terrible things to God, once the prophet Nathan tricked him into seeing his sins, well, he still didn't take the full responsibility for them. You see, we can't just stop at admitting that we were wrong to God. That's just the first step in repentance. We also need to admit to the people we hurt that we were wrong, and we have to do whatever we can to make things right again. Because David didn't do that, Later, when bad things happened with his kids, he didn't do anything to stop it. 
Well, that's not entirely true, but what he did do was all wrong. And it all started with refusing to listen to God's spirit and then refusing to really repent of what he did to all the people he'd hurt. That's why we need to listen to God and to repent as soon as possible when we don't and to go all the way to get it right, no matter how embarrassed we are. Getting repentance wrong leads to disaster. Getting repentance right is hardest at first. But as we allow God to work in our hearts, it gets easier. It never gets easy because we naturally hate admitting when we're wrong and we hate admitting to people that we aren't perfect. But it does get easier. And the best thing is that as we get better at repenting, a lot of times we won't even want to sin in the first place because we know how much it can hurt our pride to admit we've sinned. Sometimes I want to be mean and I think, oh man, if I do this, God will make me fess up and apologize. I really don't want to have to apologize to this person, so I will just mind my manners. I will never forget the time I was really out of line and snarky with someone I hated, and God made me apologize to them. Oh, that was the worst. So now I'm more careful. Not perfect, but more careful. If I'm in a bad mood or scared or confused or sick or in pain, sometimes I will step way over the line. And I have to admit that I was wrong and out of line, even if they were poking at me. You know, I was still wrong to react badly and I have to ask them to forgive me. Sometimes they weren't poking at me and I tell them why I responded that way so they know they aren't the problem. I'm the problem. If your dog has ever been hurting really badly and nipped at you when you tried to pet it, then you know that sometimes we react without thinking. But when that happens, you know that your dog comes to you later with their tail between their legs, very ashamed and wanting forgiveness. We need to be more like dogs. And we need to be understanding with people who lash out when they're having a bad day the same way we forgive our pets. And just FYI, Cats will never apologize or feel guilty. Not ever. Get used to it. I like cats. And repenting to God, saying sorry and asking for help so that we don't do it again, is just like any other conversation we have with him. Conversations with God always need to be honest. We don't gain anything by lying to him because we can't fool him. He knows us better than we know ourselves and he loves us anyway. Go figure. Just this week, and I wrote this all the way back at the end of January, I was having a lot of stress and I really messed up with two people who have always been good to me. I treated them like they were my enemies. At first, I felt like they were in the wrong and I was totally justified. And this is why it's important to always be talking to God about everything. I laid in bed that night and after I'd calmed down, I asked what I should have asked before I ever treated them like that. I said, God, am I wrong? Was I overreacting? I'm so upset right now that I can't even think straight. I don't think I was wrong, but I'm worried because right now I'm angry and I can feel that I don't want to be wrong. If I'm right, then why am I trying so hard to convince myself that I was justified, that I had a good reason? Then I thought to myself, I've been really sick and I felt bad all day. I know that sometimes when I'm sick, I don't think as 
clearly as I need to before talking to people. Maybe I'm not thinking clearly enough to really be sure that I'm right after all. So I went back to praying. Lord, I think there's a very good possibility that I treated these people like enemies because I wasn't understanding things correctly. I think maybe I sinned against them really badly. I want to be right, but I'm willing for you to tell me that I am wrong. And if I am wrong, I want to tell them I was wrong. <sighs> I don't want them thinking they were the problem if it was all me. And Father, even if I was right about what was going on, I'm pretty sure the way that I handled it was wrong. I wasn't kind and gentle and loving, even though I told myself I was at the time. I was very impatient and pretty sure I was jumping to conclusions. I don't know if my conclusions were right or wrong, but I think I was wrong in how I responded. I need you to teach me and show me the truth. Well, by morning, I knew that in one case, I was dead on 100% wrong. I'd overreacted. In the other case, I'm not sure I was wrong about what I thought was happening, but I'm 100% sure that how I handled it was totally out of line. So I went to the people and I took all the responsibility and I told them I was wrong. I told them that I was out of sorts and I shouldn't have been talking to anyone because I know how I get sometimes. I asked them to forgive me and I didn't blame them at all. I didn't say, well, if you hadn't been such a big jerk or anything like that to make myself look less wrong. Repentance for my sins and mistakes means that I only talk about what I did wrong. It doesn't matter if they were wrong too. That's for God to tell them one way or the other. Do you remember what Adam and Eve did wrong? When they were asked about their sins, they didn't admit what they'd done until after they blamed somebody else. Until they made their own sin look smaller. Well, we can't ever do that. It's a terrible temptation to try and make someone else's sin look bigger. But God can't help us when all we want to do is play the blame game. God can help us when we take full responsibility for our actions and don't make any excuses and don't blame anyone else. In my case, God helped me see that I was too angry to see at first. God helped me to go to those people and admit that I was totally wrong. God helped me to humble myself before them and to not blame them. I had no reason to blame them because I am 100% responsible for me and only for me. I can't control anyone else and no one else can control me. I make my own bad decisions. Thank you very much. And I do know that sometimes people poke at us and sometimes they're mean. But you know what? That's never going to change. What has to change is us and how we handle things. Are we going to become the kinds of people who fess up to our sins and admit we aren't perfect and help the people we've hurt? Or are we going to keep on pretending like everyone else is the real problem and push God's love and forgiveness and mercy farther and farther away? That's the choice we make every single day. A big part of living as Christians is learning to make the right choice more and more and, when we don't, learning to ask God for help in changing us. I want to tell you another story before we end this week's lesson. It's a story of someone who did something terrible and then completely repented. Perhaps you know the main character of my story. His name is Peter. Actually, 
his real name Simon, and he became one of Jesus's top three disciples. Jesus gave him the name Peter later. Now, Peter was very excited about everything. A lot of times, Peter didn't think before he said things or did things. Peter bragged a lot, and Peter was very ambitious, meaning he wanted to be very important in the kingdom of God, but he never quite understood how different God's kingdom is from the Roman Empire. He didn't understand that in God's kingdom, you don't chop people's ears off with a sword. He didn't understand that he wouldn't be a very rich and powerful person in the world. He thought that Jesus needed to be the kind of king who became a king by defeating his enemies on the battlefield. He had no idea that Jesus would become king by dying for our sins. But we'll talk about that next week. But most of all, Peter was sure that no matter what, he would never turn his back on Jesus no matter how bad things got, even if all the other disciples turned tail and ran for the hills. He said he never would. Now, of course, whenever we're bragging that we won't do this or that, it usually means that we haven't had the chance to do it. And because we don't really know how bad things can get. Bragging about challenges we have never faced is kind of like telling people what it feels like to walk on the moon when we've never done it. When we've never even left town. I mean, it's just a terrible idea. But Peter, Peter was so sure of himself. And when the time came for him to admit to being one of Jesus' disciples... The night Jesus was arrested and beaten, Peter said three times that not only wasn't he a disciple, but that he didn't know Jesus. And then he called down curses on himself in order to prove it. And Jesus had warned him that he would do it before the first shout of the temple crier in the morning. But Peter didn't believe him. But as soon as Peter started calling down curses on himself, he heard the shout and he realized that he had sinned terribly against Jesus, his master. All his bragging was a lie. And you know what? Bragging usually is a lie, just FYI. We don't generally brag about stuff that people can see is true. Well, Peter went away knowing what he'd done and he was brokenhearted. He didn't make any excuses. He knew he was 1,000% wrong. Which was 10 times as wrong as Adam and Eve. No, I don't know. Um, he was scared. And so he lied. And he did what he said he would never do. He denied Jesus in every way. But what could he do? Jesus had been arrested and it wasn't like Peter could rescue him. Peter couldn't say sorry right then. I think that Peter did a lot of praying that day, and especially as Jesus was taken away to be crucified. I imagine that few people in the history of the world have ever felt more guilty or like more of a failure than Peter did that day. But I'll tell you, that's also why when Peter heard the tomb was empty, 
He ran so fast that he was the first one there. Even though no one else believed what the women were saying. Peter was so sorry. But once he knew that Jesus was alive, he was a completely changed person. Peter never ran away again. Peter went on to serve God in the most amazing ways because Jesus showed Peter that our sins aren't the end of the world. It's not the end of the story either. Sometimes they are the beginning of a bigger and better story if we allow them to change us for the better. And it all starts with talking to God about everything and anything and being willing to listen to whatever he has to say, no matter what. I love you and I'm praying for you and I pray you have a wonderful week studying the scripture together with the people who love you.